Now, we have been talking the last few weeks about building trust, about really getting rooted in God and who He is and in relationship with Him. Um, We've been learning that one of the keys to building a real relationship with the Lord is by trust. Um, I know there's a lot of married couples out there. I know there's some couples out there that are ready to get married, and I want you to know that marriage will not work without trust. And trust just doesn't happen. You don't just get married and have this great trust built up. Trust takes time. Trust takes experience. Trust takes testing. Trust just doesn't happen. It takes time. And really, it takes bending, and it takes walking, and it takes laboring. Trust trust comes at a cost because you kind of have to give up something in order to trust someone. You have to give up control if you're trusting someone else. And that's hard. And God wants to build trust with you. One of his names is that he is trustworthy. God is trustworthy. And he wants to prove himself trustworthy. Last week we learned that one of the first steps in really getting down roots in Christ um, is to allow God to build the house. God's got to build your house. If God doesn't build the house, then the storms of this world are going to wipe you out. Did anybody have any storm damage from last night? A couple? Let me tell you something. Storms will wipe you out unless you're with the Lord. I want you to know that no storm is big enough to take you out with the Lord. In fact, we learned last week that the storms listen to God's voice. They respond to God's voice. And how we are to be in peace, we are to have peace in the storm, and not only peace in the storm, but rest. Christ was found resting in the bottom of the boat, and the people on top were going nuts. How could you be sleeping when we're about to die? Can you imagine telling that to Jesus? Jesus, you're about to die. I am? I don't think so. Let me speak to this storm. Be still. And the storm stilled. And these are experienced fishermen. They've seen storms. So we've got to allow God to build our house. The second truth that will enable us to live in faith and in rest is I want you to hear something. This is so key to your walk with Christ. You didn't choose yourself. God chose you. God chose you. We did not choose ourselves for this journey of stewardship. God chose us. And in the Bible, you will see that there is a pattern to the people that God chooses. He chooses the people that aren't obvious choices from a human perspective to do the job that he wants them to do. David wasn't the obvious choice. Do you know that uh, Samuel went to go anoint the king and he said to go to the the house of Jesse, and Jesse kept sending the brothers in front of him, in front of Samuel. No, that one's not one. He, yeah, that guy looks good, but God, is that him? No, that's not him. And he sent them all until Samuel had to ask the dad. The dad didn't offer David. Samuel had to ask the dad, hey, is there any more? Well, yeah, there is. But I didn't send him in front of you on purpose because he can't be it. No, go get him. We will not eat. Until we see him. 
Here he comes. The un, is, that, is this a word, unobvious? That's my word. And the unobvious choice. I want you to know that David wasn't the obvious choice. Gideon wasn't the obvious choice to fight the Midianites. The disciples weren't the obvious cho- choice to be world-changing leaders. I think if we were sitting in a restaurant next to some of the disciples, we would definitely all agree they're not the ones God's going to use. However, that's who God chooses. Why does God choose that way? Because I believe that he chooses those whom he can develop a root system in. And it's actually to his advantage to choose those who don't necessarily feel qualified for the job because they are less likely to rely on themselves to make anything happen. Paul pointed this out in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26. He said, brothers and sisters, think of who you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. Everybody say, but God. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. I want to encourage you. I feel like this is going to be a great encouragement to you. When you start having some low self-esteem, I believe that scripture just showed us that just qualified me to be used by God. God, I'm not good enough. I'm not strong enough. And doggone it, people don't like me. You got to be old to know that. That was an old Saturday Night Live skit. Um, but when we get to that point of weakness, you are a prime target for God to do an incredible work in your life. Not only an incredible work in your life, but an incredible work in the world. You're finally positioned because you're at your end. So many times we have such a hard time thinking, thinking lowly of ourselves, but I want you to know if we will allow that to have its way with God and with his word and with his presence and with his power, it is, going to, it is going to position us to do something incredible. Because when we are strong in our own mind, we can't be used. We're too good for ourselves. I want you to know that it's not fun, but a good sign that you're in the right place is when you find yourself, Lord, I feel so inadequate, inadequate of what you're asking me to do. This in-over-your-head journey continually brings you face-to-face with your insecurities, with your weakness, and with your inadequacies. Listen to this verse, John chapter 15, verse 16. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. That's kind of a shout hallelujah verse. 
Thank you, Jonathan. So many. Now, I want you to know you come to church and you put your best clothes on. People have already gave me a hard time that I look like Mr. Rogers. I don't. The laughing kind of confirms. It doesn't zip. I don't have on those slippers. Won't you be my neighbor? Forgot what I was going to say. We put on our best Sunday outfit. I want you to know with your personality, you put your best personality on too. Come to church and people say, how are you doing? Oh, I'm good. Everything going okay? Yeah, it's going good. When your life's falling apart. But as your life is falling apart, I want you to know, you did not choose God. God chose you. God chose you. So that you would bear fruit. And that your fruit would remain. And he has put in you the ability to ask according to the Father. And when you ask according to the Father, he gives it to you. Many of you may not have had this, but have you ever had a father that gave you good stuff? My dad gave me good stuff. He also didn't give me what I didn't need. That's a good father. He didn't give me what I didn't need. Is that a double negative? Does that mean he did give me what I... Anyway, the things that I didn't need, he didn't give me. God is a good father. And when we ask according to his will and his word, he gives it to us. And what he gives us is good. You may not even know who I'm talking about, but I want you to know I'm leading you to Christ. To the one that can make a difference in what you're walking through. Because, you may not know this, he already chose you. He already chose you. You chose me. My confidence is not in my ability to do, but in his ability to choose. What do I mean? He did not choose me so I would fail. He didn't choose me so I wouldn't bear fruit. He chose me so that I would bear fruit, a lot of fruit, and fruit that lasts. That's what I rest in. God chose me. He didn't make a mistake when he chose me. Sometimes I can't help but wonder why he called me to do certain things that he's called me to do when other people seem to be better equipped. Nonetheless, God chose me. And I'm not to second guess him, challenge him, or talk bad about his choice. I'm to rest in the fact that when I feel inadequate and insecure and weak, He selected me what he called me to do, and he will provide for me where I fall short. That's what he does. When I'm weak, he's strong. When I'm weak, it does not disqualify me. It qualifies me. It is absolutely backwards. We so try to hold the world up by our own shoulders, and we can't. We never could. We were never called to. We were never supposed to. We're trying to be God in our own life, in our families, in our jobs, with our kids. 
And God's just saying, what are you doing? Why are you trying to carry that? You're trying to be strong, but you're not strong. And if you will just acknowledge the fact that you're weak and you can't handle it all, I'll kick in. But you're in my way. Get out of my way. Let me be God in your life. We so try to avoid weakness. God chose me. And there's a deeper level to rest in God's choice. And it goes back to, first, uh, to John chapter 1, verse 12. It says, But as many received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. To those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but God. What's he saying? God didn't just chose you to go do a job. He chose you as his child. There's a big difference. There is a lot of peace whenever it can really compute in your heart and in your mind and in your spirit and in your soul that you are God's child. I am a child of God. Church on the Hill, if you have made a commitment to Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are a child of God. You have the Spirit of Christ in you, the same Spirit that raised God from the dead, who has given you authority in this earth. I am a child of God, and when I speak according to God's word, God performs his word through me. Can you imagine the magnitude and the power that sits in this little room right here? But we don't claim it. We're trying to do our own thing. We're trying to make our kids survive through kid, kid, kid them. <laughs> through raising our kids and we're trying to get them through school and get them through dating and I'm trying to get my first, not really, first one married. I'm not really trying to get her married, but I'm kind of <laughs> helping walk through that. But I can tell you I will fail if I try to do this on my own. God's way better at it. And it's his job. It's not even my job. Have you ever had people try to do a job that's not theirs? It's annoying. You work with people that are doing, trying to do your job and they're not doing theirs? That's annoying. I don't think God would say that we're annoying, but I would say probably somewhere in there it's annoying. Why are you still doing that, Paul? I told you not to do that. My word tells you not to do that. My spirit's telling you not to do that. Every person you're coming around is telling you not to do that. I've talked to my deacons here lately about some decisions that I've made in the past, and I had many people telling me, don't do that. Don't do that. It's not right. I had my wife. Don't do that. I didn't listen. It went great, too. <laughs> that always goes well when I don't listen. <laughs> God was speaking through all these people trying to protect me and trying to lead me. 
I can tell you just right now, I can feel the presence of the Lord. I want to get emotional because I know God is so full of mercy and grace. And even though I go down a stupid road, he has grace and mercy for me waiting for me as soon as I turn back to him. Every single time. And I I continue to relate this to my dad, but that's just how my dad was. I messed up drinking and doing stupid stuff as a teenager, and every single time he was there waiting to restore me. And I've had a a great history of having a great father. Many of you have not had a great father, and this concept of God and Father God and how good he is doesn't compute. But I want you to risk everything. Because what's on the other side of the veil is so good. I know you can't hardly believe it. It's almost too good to believe. And that's where faith has to kick in. That's where you've just got to take a step. God will be there at that step. And he'll be so much better than your earthly father's been. It's it's uncomprehendable how good he is. And the fact that you don't know that, I want you to know, it's like reading a book and so wishing you could reread that again and never have read it. Have you ever read a book that was so good that you wish you could reread it again for the first time? That's really not a great comparison, but there is something to be revealed to you that is just going to be the most incredible thing ever. When you really get the revelation of who God is and how much he loves you and how he has chosen you. I can completely be at peace at what I'm called to do here because it's God's gig, not mine. God chose me. What you're called to do in your family and in your job, it's God's gig to help you perform that and to get it pulled off. You may feel like you can't do it. No, you can't. But with Christ, I can do all things. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I am a child of God. Look at what David said in Psalm 61. From the end of the earth I will cry to you. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. This is the king. Nobody's higher than him. And you know what? Not only was David king, he was a warrior. Saul killed his thousands. The women are singing this. David killed his ten thousands. David was a legit dude. He looked good. He was strong. But you, know, you want to know what made David strong? It was his weak heart with Christ. He was completely dependent upon the Lord. You know why he was so good at what he did? It was because he was completely dependent upon the Lord. He knew who God was. He knew who his father was. And he always kept his heart toward the father. Remember what they said about David? A man after God's own heart. God made David. David didn't make David. God made David. God's process of growth in your life is going to involve weakness. This in over your head journey of developing intimacy and dependence and faith and rest is going to bring you into situations where your natural strength and ability and energy are exhausted. 
I don't know about you, I kind of think I do, but I do not like experiencing weakness. To be honest with you, I've tried to spend most of my life avoiding it. But when I read the Bible, I see that I can't avoid weakness. But also I see that I'm supposed to have a particular attitude toward weakness. In the New Testament, from Paul to Peter to James, talks about this attitude, and it's not about tolerating weakness. Or even enduring weakness. They use words like joy and rejoice and delight. Is it not upside down? Is it not backwards? I don't think that those words when I think of weakness. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 10. That is why for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. Cool. Isn't that backwards? Why can he delight in those? Because God shows himself strong in Paul. Over and over and over. God is faithful. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 6. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials. James chapter 1, verse 2. Consider it pure joy. Isn't this one of those that's just kind of hard to hard to read? Pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know this is where it gets good. The testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature, complete, not lacking anything. Can you see there's a reward at the end of your perseverance? There's a reward at the end of your trial. There is good to come of it if you will allow yourself to be weak and God to be strong. Romans chapter 5, verse 3. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings. Not only that, but we were. Am I on the wrong scripture? Romans 3, 5. I should be on 3, 3. I apologize. Let me read. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. Here we go. And, well, this is still the wrong scripture. I'm just all messed up. I'm sorry, this is Romans 5, chapter 3, verse 5. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Let me say that again. Suffering produces endurance. Endurance produces character. Character produces hope. And this hope does not put us to shame because God's love is poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. The one piece that can't be missed from that whole process of growth is suffering. Suffering produces, which produces, which produces, which produces. Can you see how in our challenges, consider it joy. Because things are going to be produced through this challenge if you will go through it with Christ. If you don't, you're going to be hurting at the end of it. 
If you try to hold on and white knuckle it, you know Christ. You know our walk with Christ never never makes us have to white knuckle our stuff. When we start white knuckling it and trying to take it on all ourselves, things are going to go wrong. It's when we are weak that He is strong. It's when we surrender that He saves us. It's when we humble ourselves that He exalts us. When we exalt ourselves, we get humbled. Church, are you all with me? Let me try to finish. Why do we have to go through these things? I believe that two things are made known when we struggle through weakness according to God's word. I think two things happen. What happens is your faith gets proven Your faith gets proven, and you get to witness supernatural strength. What am I saying? That when we truly surrender in an impossible situation, you know what happens in an impossible situation with God? It becomes possible. When we surrender to God in impossible situations, that impossible becomes possible. You're facing some things in your life right now that seem impossible. Can I encourage you? Turn that around. Turn that impossible into possible. The only way to do that is to surrender. The only way to do that is to acknowledge your weakness and seek God. Matthew 6.33, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. What are you facing? Surrender. Humble yourself. Surrender and humble yourself. It says in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, Without faith, without faith, it is impossible to please God. So what does God do? He puts us in impossible situations. Because he is wanting to do the impossible in your life. It takes faith to please God. When do we ever even consider exercising our faith? In impossible situations. So sometimes we get walked to the point of weakness and emptiness, and it is at that point that if God doesn't show up, we're not going to make it. You know what? That's when God shows up. One of the weakest moments in David's life was when preparing for the throne. David's years of preparation for the throne came. And when they were almost over, just before David was crowned king. David's men returned from, the ba- from a battle of Ziklag. Their place had been burned to the ground. Their wives and children had been stolen and been abducted by the Amalekites. And look in 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 4. It says, And David and the people who were with him lifted up their voices and wept until they had no more power to weep. Have you ever been to that point that you just can't cry anymore? You're exhausted. You've got nothing. You are spent in grief. But then look what happened. It's not as though that's enough. In verse 6, 
David was greatly distressed for the people spoke of stoning him. Because of the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and daughters, but David strengthened himself in the Lord. So David had lost his family. His city had been burned to the ground. His kids and his wife have been taken. They are at the end of their wick, rope, thank you. Now the people turn on him. Did you see what David did? David's the king. He strengthened himself in the Lord. You know how he did that? He asked God to give him a word. God, what do I do? Look what happens in verse 8. David asked the Lord, shall I pursue the troops? Shall I overtake them? And God answered him, pursue for you shall surely overtake them and without fail recover all. Church, stop for just a second and try to put yourself in the position of David. Lost everything. On top of that, lost his wife, wives and his children. Now he's got the people turned on him. Now, are you facing anything that bad? He inquired of the Lord. The Lord told him what to do. And what did happen? David went. They beat that other tribe. And he recovered all his wives and children. Impossible. It's like the story that Elizabeth had when that person stole our ring out of our home. And every detective and every police officer would say, you'll never get that back. But she got it back. It was a miracle. That does not compute to my children and my wife being stolen. God wants to perform a miracle in your life. So many times we let these stories kind of be fairy tales in our lives. But I want you to know that Daniel in the lion's den really happened. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego being tossed in the fire really happened. These impossible things really happened. And if God hadn't have showed up, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego would have been toast. Literal. They would have been toast. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8. This is Paul. We don't want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles that we experienced in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death, but this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God, who raises the dead. far beyond our ability. That is weakness. The sentence of death even goes so deeper that you can't go any farther in yourself. But I want you to know God raises the dead. Elizabeth and I have been talking about some real challenges that are in our life that she has had this hope for, and it is just it has just not worked out like we had thought. And we've had to come to a point of just letting that thing die. 
We're trying to control it. We're trying to make it happen on our own power, and we can't. And we keep trying, and we keep struggling, and keep literally trying to make it happen. And finally, I just said to Elizabeth, Elizabeth, I think this thing is kind of our Isaac. I think that we need to consider taking it to an altar and giving, the, giving it to the Lord. You know the story of Isaac and Abraham. God said to sacrifice Isaac, the promised child. Can you imagine? And Abraham went to do it, tied him up, lifted his hand. And the second he lifted up his hand, there was a, a goat. God had already sent that provision up coming up the mountain, but Abraham couldn't see it. I want you to know when we offer up our Isaac to the Lord, Isaac didn't die. Also, Isaac wasn't left tied up and Abraham went back to his life. No, Isaac got untied. So what what can happen is if we will just let God have something and us die to it, you know what? God raises the dead. Whatever thing that you're, be, you're believing for, sometimes we've got to come to the end of our rope and say, okay, God, this may not be even you. What you have for me is better than I could ever imagine. He does exceedingly abundantly more than we could think or ask. Okay, even though, God, I really think this should be it, I offer that back to you. And Lord, I die to that. And if you want to bring it back to life, you can, because you're the God who raises the dead. Will you allow God to be God in your life? Will you allow God to be God in your life? It's one thing to to believe that Jesus, that God raised Jesus from the dead and that we have hope for eternal life and faith in him. It's another thing to put our faith in the God who raises the dead as he leads us into experiences of weakness because that's where our faith gets real when we discover that he is the one who is always with us, the one we can rely upon, everything changes. The impossible you're facing, I want you to know with Christ, is possible. God chose you. He'll equip you. He'll provide for you. But it's when we're weak that he is strong. Y'all stand up with me.